Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the podcast. For this podcast, we'll be addressing the sustainable healthcare system in Singapore. What are the key components of it? What the parties think of it? And what's my take on it? That we can even bring it out of COVID-19. Stay tuned. COVID-19 has really tested our innovations and systems that no test or drill can even test to the amount. Of course, the obvious challenge is to deal with the pandemic, but we are also dealing with other illnesses and issues in the midst of a pandemic. Like for example, if you were to injure yourself or to have an existing condition, you would have to be pushed back because most of the doctors and nurses are actually focused on the COVID-19. So you have to actually wait. You have to actually take care of yourself even more and not wait for the operation or wait for that checkup because there will be no time to wait. And also there will be this mental shift to this so-called new normal. Is that shift of not having much freedom, not having the freedom to socialize, to not wear a mask outside. Is this adaptation of the mindset that's causing problems too? It's affecting a lot of mental states of a lot of people in Singapore. This can be seen by the reported increase in the domestic case, domestic violence cases rather. And a lot of public nuisance, but they determine, determine that the person has already a existing mental condition or just a relief of stress by creating chaos or public nuisance. So there has been ideas addressing this post-COVID-19 that can actually make our healthcare system a bit more stronger than what it is. And I would actually start with the People's Action Party, as per usual. They're the majority. They're the ones that run the healthcare system. So let's see what their manifesto says. So for the People's Action Party, they actually go for a more practical approach, building more, building more healthcare facilities creating more job opportunities for caregivers, for nurses, for doctors. The care facilities in the communities actually reduce the load of major hospitals that deal with serious issues, E&E, pandemics, and other things that a major hospital can deal with. But I do see an issue here, a main issue, because once you create more facilities, You need to fill those facilities with staff. And with our population, it's not possible to fill up everybody with Singaporeans, every every place with Singaporeans, rather. So there needs to be an influx of foreign labor. And this can be a touchy subject for some. And especially with the COVID-19, not having a definite deadline. There could, be instru- there could be restrictions imposed on some countries, not allowing their workers to come into other countries. 
because they themselves need manpower to handle the situation. This can cause a delay in those plans for, for several years. And even if we retrain or train new staff, new nurses, new healthcare, healthcare facility workers, it will not be enough to catch up with the pace that we are supposed to rebuild our healthcare system post-pandemic. The amount of care facilities that increased, even privatized or community or, or public restructured hospitals, this can increase public spending because a lot more people are you know, claiming from their Medisafe or need some help from Medifund or need some help for their insurance. So there has there needs to be an increased tax to increase the amount of public spending or not will be in a deficit so there there is there is downsides to this particular approach but for the people section party they are more confident that they need more facilities it's just that i think they need to scrutinize how they operate the facilities do they need do they really need more people or do they need more technology to help the people within the care facilities so they don't have to bring in so many people because there are other people who need who are needed in other sectors of the economy so i think that they need to think of for the workers party i think they have a they of course for as an opposition they will call upon a review of a pandemic response and i think this is a very rhetorical point because there will definitely be definitely be an inquiry bot after COVID-19 has been handled. There are so many issues like to the, to the foreign worker dormitories, to the way that uh, COVID-19 tests, swap tests are handled, how are the community care facilities that are built to help the hospitals, how effective are they? Have we spent efficiently during the crisis? The, these are the things that need to be reviewed and I think these are rhetorical there will be an inquiry after everything has subsided. They also continue to add on that they are focusing more on the caregivers, which I think this is a good point because in the community, hospitals and care homes are not enough. It's definitely not enough for the amount of aging population that we have. And the introduction of caregivers, informal or formal, is important to take care of this aging population and for them to tap on it for them to bring it up as a point it's a valid point that caregivers sometimes neglect their own sanity neglect their own health neglect their own social life so what do this what, what does workers party actually propose is that these caregivers informal caregivers usually their family members have the right to actually negotiate a flexible work arrangement so that they are able to take care of the aged citizen while having an income coming in and this is something that actually needs to be more more enfor enforced because sometimes when family members they vow to take care of an elderly 
or an, or an aged person, they usually sacrifice their work. Usually taking a pay cut, usually uh, being jobless for a few months. There's so I think this hole needs to be plugged. And I think the Workers' Party are accurate in saying this. They're also suggesting a assisted living facilities privatized so run by the community run by the uh, community organization organizations and this is an like an integrated facility where there's a childcare, there's a workplace and there's an elderly care facility in within the within the assisted living facilities and i think this is a this is a good step to to take on because there has been more emphasis of an integrated housing estate in the recent years, like the example for the Tengah estate. There has been a mixture of commercial, industrial, and residential. So there's there's no separation there. So people can work, can can spend their time within the same community. And I think this is an extension of that because they propose the elderly to actually take on the jobs as of like childcare, as uh, of the commercial sector. And being nearby, it's much easier for them to, 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 to go to their workplace, to go to these places so they can take care of themselves better. But I would also say that these facilities are privately run there has been a mixed result of how privately run facilities in Singapore and how their reputation is with the public. Because there have been good examples of like privately run houses or homes, but there has been also a lot of complaints, a lot of controversies coming out of these homes. So there has to be a they didn't mention it, but there has to be a committee or a review and audit to check, to check and balance these homes if they or these facilities if they were to be built. And I also think, but they suggested like elderly to take care of the children in childcare. I, 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 I don't think it's possible because the the elderly are mostly have this retirement, retirement face so they need more rest so I, I don't think pairing them up with children would be a good idea it, in some capacity they can help but not directly taking care of the children I also feel that these facilities can raise public spending and this can you know in turn be a a reason to raise taxes so yeah i mean obviously we as singaporeans have to pay for these facilities but then again it's it's just creating more reason to increase public spending so unless this this these facilities can be run privately fully privately and be well in their running of things then I would say go for it. But there would be a lot of turnaround. Then there has to be a turnaround to convince Singaporeans that these facilities are here to stay. And it's for them. So then there has to be a lot of convincing, a lot of... There has to be a lot of 
cleaning up of the image of privately run homes. It's possible, but definitely needs to be reviewed in the way that it's run so that there has to be an oversight, there has to be a review committee, there has to be an audit, and there has to be a clean track record. So that's so I think the, the public people section party and the workers' party have that practical approach to healthcare in Singapore. But they are focusing more on facilities rather than the actual care. Which I can which I will tap on at the end. So let's go on to the rest of the parties. Um, I will go to the next one, which is the Red Dot United. They have the, I would say, after the People's Section Party and the Workers' Party, have the, be have the better idea of all the other parties. Their idea is actually to introduce a quarterly to annual healthcare checkup to all Singaporeans. No, no means testing. Don't have to. You know, you, you don't have to have a pre-existing condition or whatever. It's just that every Singaporean has to go through this, and I think they are approaching more on the preventative side of things, which I think the gov current government has made it sort of optional to have it to have this option of a of a regular checkup. And for the Red Dot United to come up with this to say that, you know, there has to be a mandatory checkup so that it avoids higher costs in the long run. Because if you de some can detect something earlier, then the treatment will be lesser because it, you are tackling it at an early stage, not when it's already at its worst. And they are also suggesting on the technology technological side to have this thing called MedTech which is a wearable technology to collect and monitor uh, health statistics of someone, particularly the elderly, you know, for any like fall, for any, any spike in like a heart rate or anything abnormal so that the caregivers can give a real-time treatment to this. I think it's also a good idea, but I would also take you back recently when Minister Vivian Balakrishnan actually introduced the idea of a wearable trace together to to sort of circumvent that that Apple security problem. And this caused a lot of confusion and a lot of speculation that the government is tracking us every single time. And you know, wearable tech has this unfortunate circumstance of it being forgotten because it's not habit and particularly if the aim is for the elderly i don't think it's a norm for them to actually wear something it can be a hindrance to their movement or it can be something that they forget and then when something happens nobody knows and that is the scariest part so i think for them the technology the implementation implementation of technology is good however i would actually suggest it to be in the house rather than on them because if you are implementing tech in the house you can actually implement it widely 
more much more wider than they when you know when you're actually on them as for the healthcare checkup i'm not sure how they are going to fund it i'm not sure who is going to undertake it is it the ministry of health is it going to be the private clinics so i'm, I'm not sure on how they're doing it it's a good idea but it has to have a lot of structure or not it's just it's just an idea to throw out there anybody can see it so i would actually suggest this to red.united and the next one i will actually go on to the national solidarity party it shares the sentiments of the people action party and workers party to actually build more facilities but theirs are a bit more like general like build more beds uh have more medicine medicinal facilities and a qualified workforce they didn't say how they're going to get the workforce they didn't say what do they mean by more beds more community hospitals more hospitals more care facilities they didn't specify uh and for the most vague universal for the vague healthcare policy that i've seen over the parties is the reform party they in their manifesto if you don't believe me you can go to the manifesto they literally just said universal healthcare three words and that's it so what what, what do you mean you know uh, the general meaning of universal healthcare is access to every single stage of healthcare from outpatient treatment, inpatient treatment, rehabilitation, uh, in case of relapse, uh, you know, operations, surgeries, checkups, every single thing that's universal healthcare. But they never put it in the context of Singapore. So I, I, I don't know. They are suggesting something better, worse. I'm not sure what they're saying. As for the People's Power Party, um, they are more concentrated, as I said in the previous, in the previous uh, podcast. They're bit, they are more concentrated on winning the seat rather than a national policy. So they 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 just said that they want a community hospital in Macpherson, which they were con they were contesting. And I think it it it's a it's a shared sentiment that there needs more there there's a need for more facilities, but there is not a shared sentiment on how it's made how it's implemented. So that's the People's Power Party. Uh, for the People's Voice, Progressive Singapore Party, and even the uh Singapore Singapore Progressive Party, uh Singapore Pe People's Party, and the the Singapore Democratic Alliance has no mention of any healthcare post-COVID. And sadly for the Singapore Democratic Party, uh, they had to, I had to pay for the manifesto. I didn't pay. I couldn't afford it. Which is kind of ironic if you're mentioning about healthcare because healthcare needs to be affordable, but they, their own manifesto is not affordable. So that, next, that is a fix. Okay, now I've mentioned a lot of the parties and their view on our healthcare post-COVID-19, how to reinforce it, how to make it better, how to be more prepared if another pandemic is coming. But I think the parties are missing one thing. Yes, you can focus on physical healthcare. That's quite obvious. 
But what about mental health care? And mental health has been a very, sadly, a taboo subject in Singapore. I don't know why, but, you know, it always comes up in cases of, like, court cases, domestic violence cases, where a mental health sort of declaration or a mental health um, checkup, it's always mandatory for criminals, for people who, people who are investigated in cases, victims of cases. So I don't understand why it's not being in the mainstream of healthcare. So this is what I'm actually proposing. I'm actually proposing the decentralization and the destigmatization of the Institute of Mental Health. What I mean by that is to actually make mental health care more accessible to all Singaporeans. Make it more of a preventative measure rather than something that you go for treatment for. The thing about health is that if it's if it's detected early, it's easier to heal. That's the logic of it. And I think the approach to mental health care in Singapore, particularly, has been more of a treatment base. Like, something has to go wrong. Then you are referred to, to a, health, mental health, a mental health clinic or a mental health expert. And that should not be the way. So this decentralization of the Institute of Mental Health making mental health clinics side by side with physical health clinics so that you know if you feel something wrong with your mental health you immediately go to a to a psychiatrist or a doctor a mental health doctor to actually get it sorted rather than going to Bangkok green and being labeled this crazy person which i think the this stigma is definitely it's, it's a stigma that needs, that needs to go away. And the government has a role to play in this. Centralizing mental health to an institution. It's an old way of thinking. It's like, it's like, you know, it's like sending people to an asylum, which is not what mental health is. Mental health is curable. It's prevented. It's, it can be prevented. So there are current facilities which are called like family service centers who like whole counseling and all that, but they are, they, they don't seem preventative. They're more treatment based. So I would like these clinics to be actually held in physical health clinics for them to combine and have this overall healthcare clinic. You know, nurses, physiotherapists, psychotherapists, mental health doctors, dentists should be in one hospital rather than separate hospitals yes there should be a, a centralized institute like the ncid or the singapore eye center there should be specialized institutes but they should not be just one place they should be all over singapore so i would actually emphasize more on the mental health to be side by side with the physical health and i would also implement this there has to be a three-pronged checkout dental physical and mental this should be the three-pronged checkup that you should go for every year regularly 
no matter if it's something wrong or not, there has to be a checkup in order for you to maintain that health. As for the previous idea of having this uh, technology being there to provide real-time information, what I suggest is actually a health checklist. A health checklist formed by the Ministry of Healthcare, Ministry of Health experts, healthcare experts, uh, com community health experts, to actually build this checklist for everyone to cater for their specific age group and to have this checklist, you know, daily for our elderly. You know, it's a form of self-check that they need to do on themselves because sometimes they feel something painful inside of them and you know caregivers can only go so far but they know themselves and it's also a it's also a, a mental check on them so that they are able to do something and they are also able to think rather than isolate themselves because isolation is what makes sometimes mental mental health deteriorate. So with their checklist, they're able to do it either on an app, uh, via a call, or a actual physical visit by a caregiver to actually do this checklist. And I think there has to be an emphasis on healthcare facilities to the disabled there has been there has been a lack of mention with people with disabilities not just people who are wheelchair bound but people who are deaf people who are deaf people who are mute no if they have a disability they should not be limited in their access of healthcare even they need a mental health checkup especially them because, believe it or not, they are faced with challenges every day. And people who are not understanding of their condition is not helping. So with them, mental health is even more paramount. And I think the last point I will touch on is actually our community. Yes, we do have community hospitals, community care centers, but there's not much access to it because of its centralization. So what I, what I suggest is actually in our neighborhoods, you can look out and see any of the unused spaces, the car park rooftops, for example, the void decks. They are spaces that can make for care facilities, not just for the elderly, for everyone, a mental health clinic, a physical health clinic, maybe a, a space for a moving dental clinic. You know, of course, these these needs funding. You no, know? these things need funding. Of course, you can privatize some things, but they need funding. But with the facilities so accessible to the citizens, I think they don't mind paying up. And if there is an increase or an improvement in the way that our society works, there are less, you know, less criminal cases, there are less public nuisance, there's, 
there's not much unhappiness in the community. The, the community, the society's problems are being addressed right away with mental health checkups, physical health checkups. I think the people are more are much more are happier to actually pay up. So the government needs to give the people a reason to increase things, to pay for things. So these facilities actually help. Of course there will be there will be a pilot, you know, there will be a test on few people to see how it works. And then it will expand, expand until the whole population. So this is what I mean. You need to have a you need to have a healthcare system that covers every single facet of health, not just physical. A mental health is also important. And there should be a removal of stigma to the point that when we see a doctor for flu versus when we see a doctor for stress or depression, nobody will actually have a different mindset for any. Because currently there is a different mindset. Like if you say to someone, oh, I'm going to a doctor because I have, I have something that's hurting in my shoulder, for example. You know, they will say, oh, okay, okay, update me. But if you say, oh, I'm going to the, I'm going to the, to the health, mental health clinic because I feel like I'm going crazy. Then they will look at you like, why, why, you're not even crazy. So there has, there, there's the difference of men, mentality still exists and I want that to be minimized or even be eliminated. So that should be the challenge of the government. Not to just take care of our physical health, but mental health. Because, to be honest, people live longer from physical and mental. If someone is so healthy, but they're so depressed all the time, they're more likely to commit suicide or not, or just give up in life. So there has to be a holistic approach to healthcare. There has to be a importance and codependence on mental and physical. And that is my suggestion for a sustainable healthcare post-COVID-19. I hope that whatever I've come up with is an idea that any party can take. As I re-emphasize again, my podcast has no bias. It can be taken in from anyone and I can take in opinions from anyone. So the Instagram page is open. The email is open. I suggest you can go ahead and give me what you think there is no there's no censorship there is there is no prejudices say what you want because i also do so you should be given the equal or even more space to say what you want so that's it for this episode of sustainable healthcare post covid 19 I've taken the official manifestos and and uh, data from each of the official sources of each party, and I've given my piece. For the next episode, will be will be the last episode of this, and it will be the social issues, issues we face in society, and how do we address it post crisis. So stay tuned for that. The Instagram, as always, onwardssgofficial, and the email is onwardssgofficial at gmail.com. I look forward to any opinion, 
and I also look forward to you sharing this podcast with anyone that you care about or just to open up a conversation because I know sometimes starting conversation is very difficult, especially in Singapore and especially we are just removed from a election. So I hope this is, an, this is a, a conversation opener because I take from all sides and hopefully we can get more conversations and more solutions, more creative solutions, better solutions for Singaporeans. And I think that's the end goal for everybody. So I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope to see you in the next episode. Have a good day.